Welcome, Trad Men listeners. Just a brief introduction to this upcoming episode. I was blessed to be invited on the Quest for Faith channel, where I discuss my conversion from the Churches of Christ. The host, Brian, is also a convert from the Churches of Christ, so we had a really good time discussing similar backgrounds growing up, our faith formation as children and young adults. But more importantly, we were able to discuss what convinced us of the truth of Catholicism and caused us to cross the Tiber and come home to Rome. Now, we hope this episode provides encouragement to people of all faiths, but especially those within the churches of Christ. We noticed during our conversion process that there wasn't many public voices or platforms from people of similar backgrounds. So we hope to provide that encouragement. And if you're asking questions about Catholicism, about the Catholic Church, we, we hope to this episode will encourage you to continue to explore the truths that are only found within the Catholic Church. And if you have any questions, I would be more than happy to help and answer any questions where, where I can. Just email me at tradmanpodcast at gmail.com. If you're not already subscribed to our channel, go ahead and do so and give this video a like and share as well. In the show notes, I will leave a link to Quest for Faith. Uh, go over there and give Brian a follow, like, and uh, share his videos as well because he has some really good content. Thank you and God bless. Hi, welcome back to Quest for Faith with Brian. And here on this channel, we try and break down the Catholic faith from a newcomer's perspective. Today, I have a special guest on with me to me today, Jason from the Tradmen Podcast. Jason, welcome to my channel, and I really appreciate you having on and having you on, and super excited about uh, talking about Church of Christ since we both grew up Church of Christ. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I, uh, I appreciate the invite, and um, yeah, I look forward to this topic. Like, like we've kind of set offline, it's something I've been wanting to discuss as far as how the churches of Christ are, how it, how it formed my viewpoints and getting me eventually to the Catholic church. But, uh, I wasn't sure of the media on how to get there. And, but, uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah. We'll stumble through it together. Cause uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a really complicated topic, I think. And I think, uh, growing up church of Christ, it's, it's almost Catholic esque where it's just part of who you are as church of Christ. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I never thought of it that way, but looking back on, and just especially just interacting with my family now that I'm Catholic, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the mindset, right? Like you're, you are church of Christ and, uh, and, and that belief that, you know, we're replicating the first century church. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize how deeply ingrained that was until I started branching out and then, you know, everything kind of blew up within right. my family. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, it does that. Um, yeah, I think I, I think families sometimes within the churches of Christ, especially, and I know that everybody has the difficulties sometimes with their families converting, but like you said, just because it's completely ingrained into your whole being, it seems like it's one of the more difficult ones. Uh, not necessarily in a bad way when we talk about ingrained, but yeah, like all your friends, acquaintances, and who you uh, who you hang out with and all that are yeah. pretty much Church of Christ people. Not not necessarily by choice. It's just that you are so involved with the church and the people there that it just naturally becomes becomes that. 
Yeah. I mean, growing up, my, uh, my, all my really good friends were from church. Like I, I had friends from school, but the ones I hung out with the most were from church. So, you know, it was going like, I just remember as a kid, it was like, you know, you go to church Sunday morning and then I'd always go play at somebody's house, uh, that Sunday, or they'd come over to my house because we'd all be back at church that Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> and so you could do that. And, uh, but yeah, it was just, it's, it was all encompassing growing up. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate. Like, I, I think that's, uh, that's probably what pulled me towards the Catholic church too, is it is an all encompassing lifestyle to be Catholic. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> something that I tell people after my conversion is, yeah, I've, I've got to the point where some really good friends that I've had for many years really don't interact with no more, not necessarily by my choice, but by, I guess by their choice and you've disappointed family members and whatnot. But I can truly see, and in, in this instance where God has taken, but he has given back tenfold because I have made extremely good friends within the Catholic Church, both from cradle Catholics and converts that that I am so thankful for. And and I always view it as, yeah, I lost some people, some friends that, you know, that you loved dearly and, and all that. But God, God is good and he blessed me tenfold, I feel like. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think when when I look at life prior till, because uh, I mean, I'd even kind of started walking away from the Catholic Church, maybe like six years before I decided to become, become or did I say Catholic Church? I mean, Church of Christ, yeah. <laughs> about six years before uh, we started, we started the process to join. And, uh, but even uh my life, just the blessings that have just flown through uh, my life since we've joined the Catholic Church has been tremendous. And it's yeah. like, it's put me in places. I mean, we honestly moved to, like, I moved from Texas to South Carolina. Okay. And Greenville was not on my list of places to move, right? Like, we could move anywhere. Yeah. And we just happened to see this parish here in, in Greenville that we were like, oh, my gosh, that's where we want to go. Like they have a, they have both Novus Ordo and, and a TLM and it's the, the, uh, our, our priest does not hold any punches back. Like his homilies are just yeah. hitting hard. And I'm like, that's what I want to, that's where I want to go. And like, I don't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't, uh, and I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't because of, because of my Catholic faith. Like it's, it's just little yeah. things like that. Just, it starts blossoming into more. Right. Yeah, no. So you live in South Carolina right now? Because mm -hmm. because I know in your other video, you mentioned you had attended Abilene Christian University, which I actually just drove through there yeah. yesterday coming back from Midland. But yeah, I um, <laughs> so I, I don't know about about you, but with even within the Churches of Christ, they have de uh, varying degrees of, okay, we're conservative, ultra conservative, liberal, so on and so forth. You know, some of them may have introduced instrumental music, may have have kitchens and, you know, the others don't. But the reason I bring up, bring up that was because I had a old uh, preacher that I grew up with, extremely smart, kind, caring man. And, and I, and I love that man growing up. And, um, but I do remember he, when I was in high school, he was talking about Abilene Christian university and he had mentioned I think when he was younger, he went there, but he said, I don't know any more about them. It seems like they've gotten a little bit more liberal through the years. And yeah. At the, 
And at the time I wasn't exactly sure what he meant by that. Um, but yeah, so I, I know there's Abilene Christian university and a lot of the, the people that I know, um, actually went to Florida college. You ever hear of Florida college in Temple mm -hmm. Terrace? Yeah. yeah. So, so I have a cousin who's a preacher. He went there and, and all that. So, um, and I think even between those two schools, there's even a varying degree of what you would term liberal versus conservative. Church. Yeah. And there's, is it Harding or what's that one up in Arkansas? Yeah. yeah Harding. Yeah, yeah. Where that, that one's like hardcore conservative where I, I don't even think uh, women are allowed to wear pants during the week. They have to oh. wear dresses. Like, I mean, they go, but I mean, I graduated, gosh, coming up on 20 years ago now. Uh, from my undergrad when I was there. And uh, it to me, so I grew up in California and California Church of Christ is not necessarily the same as Texas Church of Christ. Yeah. Um, I mean, a big, big congregation there uh, might be 300 people. Um, so, uh, and then I moved to Dallas after school and I'm like, I, I was at Princeton I can't remember which, which one I first went to, but there was like 2000 members. Right. I mean, it was just well, different. I've never been part of one that big, but you're, but you're right. Cause I, unless they've changed in recent decades, I remember even within the churches of Christ between Texas and Alabama, there's a lot of differences because in Alabama, the women there take the head covering very seriously. Where in yeah. Texas we were more, well, it's, it's kind of a personal choice. So yeah, when we and speak that, of, that topic never even came up in California. California. Like that wasn't yeah. even a, a subject. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't uh, really a hot button issue in Texas. I kind of found out more about it when I got to college and started meeting um, people that were from Alabama or that part of the state or had lived there for a few years. But uh, yeah. So when people talk about churches of Christ, there's, there's a, a wide array of beliefs even within it. And um, it seems like sometimes, have you ever run into the issue where if you tell people you were former Church of Christ, they'll confuse you with another Latter branch Saints. of church? Yeah, either that or, you know, some of the others. And and I always talk about, well, no, it's the Churches of Christ out of the, the restoration uh, movement here in the U.S., which brings up, I, I think, another significant topic about the Churches of Christ is that while they do have churches worldwide, it is a it's very american centric because it was started here in the southern u.s yeah in kentucky yeah yeah and, and i think i think the reason they started it alexander campbell and barton stone and all them i think it was under the right idea because they saw all these churches that were arguing and fighting and there was no authority to come in and say you're right you're wrong to keep everybody straight and they said, well, how do we get back to unity? Which is a good thing, right? Right. How, how do we get back to unity? But instead of going towards the church that Christ founded, they said, okay, well, we're going to go where the Bible speaks. You know, that's where we speak, where the Bible's silent. That's where we're silent type of mindset. And uh, it just went the wrong way. But it did start, I believe, yeah, out of good intentions. It was a very good intention because it was yeah. trying to, it was that restoration and bringing unity to people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was, and a lot of things like that happen, right? When you're yeah. trying to start something good and it goes sideways. Yeah. Um, and I think when they, I mean, I don't know about like, uh, with like my grandparents, they really think that church Christ is it. If you're not going to church Christ, uh, yeah. 
you're in danger. Right. Uh, and I think it ended up because they were getting so strict on doctrine about like, that's not in the Bible. That is in the Bible with the sola scriptura that it just started alienating people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think, uh, to start off, it was a great idea. Like, let's, yeah. let's get back to basics, but they kicked out everything. They went so extreme that yeah. it, it just, uh, it, it doesn't really work when you start trying to put logic to everything that, that the church of Christ does. Yeah, it doesn't. And then some of the, which we'll probably get into later, even within scripture itself, there's some inconsistency in the way, uh, you know, things are done, but, um, yeah, no, you're right. Church, uh, Church of Christ typically, yeah, look back and say that they are the church found in in you know in the New Testament, um, and then they are very exclusive in the sense that they think they're probably the only ones going to heaven, which is another reason why it's so hard for Church of Christ converts because when you do leave, now your family's in a panic that you're going to end up going to hell, right? Yep. I think I think you see that a lot more prevalent explicitly in the older generations. Yes. The younger generations, they still believe it, but they won't explicitly say it. They'll, they'll imply it by saying, well, you're putting yourself in more danger or, you know, God saves who he wants to save, but you need to be part of the church. But so so I think they've kind of wised up to the the one way of 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 expressing the exclusivity. Now I'm not against being exclusive because as a Catholic, I, I am exclusive, but, but the, you know, the, one of the things about the Catholic church is that it has always taught about a uh, invincible ignorance and stuff like that. And God yep. is not bound by the sacraments, but you don't have that leeway within many of the churches of Christ. Like it's, you're either in or you're out period. Yeah. End. <laughs> yeah. When my, when my uh, Nana found out, uh, she, she literally said, I'm sorry you've given up on the Lord. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh my word. I'm like, I, I pray more and read the Bible more and study more than I ever did growing up. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, Nana, you can go with that, you know? Um, yeah. and, and and I think it's difficult, but I think you touched on something there where that was kind of easy for me with the, with the uh, faith alone topic right because right. it's church of christ it was a walk or a journey and you could and they didn't i don't ever remember anyone specifically saying like you can lose salvation but but that was the mindset right like you 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 had a walk of faith that you had to keep following christ and if you fell away you could be in trouble um yeah. and, and i've and it was kind of interesting when i started understanding the the, the catholic framework on that I'm like, that's not that different than, than the yeah. way I, I grew up. Um, and it was comforting actually to, to realize that. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're definitely right because the churches of Christ do reject faith alone. And, um, yeah, I, I know within, within the group that I was in within the churches of Christ, we did talk about how a person can lose their salvation. And I remember even reading debate materials and, and apologetics, when confronting like say a Calvinist or somebody that, mm -hmm. that doesn't think you can lose your salvation. So w we definitely talked about it, but you bring up, you mentioned something that reminded me of a, of a very interesting uh, discussion that I heard. So um, what's that channel called? Um, not called a communion. The one with Marcus Gro Grodi. Oh, um, coming home, coming home. 
he had a round table and I don't know if you've seen it. He had a round table with several ex church of Christ ministers yes. and, and, and uh, a guy that ended up becoming a priest uh, in the church of Christ. And one of them made the comment, it's always stuck with me saying that the churches of Christ compared to many other Protestant sects are so close to fundamental beliefs of the Catholic church. And they're so much closer in many ways to the truth that it is actually harder for them to leave because they reject faith alone. They reject this idea of eternal security. They reject universalism. They believe in baptism for the remission of sins. You know, they believe and the requirement of taking the Lord's Supper, albeit symbolically within the yeah. churches of Christ, but they believe all these things. So versus if you're talking to somebody that's just a uh, Bible church, uh, yeah, faith alone, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you only really have to attack one of those and make that fall to, to, to bring them in much easier with the churches of Christ. Net, net, you're, you're starting to get out some of the outside, some of the, fundamental beliefs and now you're kind of going you have to get down in the weeds is what i guess what i'm getting at more than you would others yeah and i think also they're um how much they they detest authority church authority yeah <laughs> um i think that that's probably the biggest hurdle i think for anyone that's church of christ mm -hmm. looking to become catholic i mean that that was the after i figured out the um the real presence uh, thing. And I was like, wow, the Catholic church is right. Um, for me, then it was diving in to try and figure out church authority. Cause then I knew like, well, if I don't think there's the Pope's legit, then it's Orthodox. And if it's uh, and, and but if the Pope's legit, then I got to be Catholic. Right. Um, and, and I think it's interesting because they put such an emphasis on electing elders uh, and, and, yeah, I was part of that as an adult too. But I mean, I just remember all the meetings and the people nominating people to be an elder, and then they'd get over, they do a review cycle with scripture and trying to pick somebody. Yeah. And uh, so there is this authority that the elders get to pick, but it's not past that. So, and that, and that's where I think you get all these variations. Uh, within the church of christ because it's so uh it's each each individual congregation has their own own deal because each individual congregation's elders kind of make decisions for the church yeah yeah they're very autonomous so each church you know each like you were mentioned each uh, el uh group of elders is over is over that church uh right there pretty much a final say in what what happens in, in that church um which one of the things there in my conversion is I had never picked up and I can't tell you how many times I read it growing up and even into adulthood. Cause I converted, I'm 40 right now. So I converted back in 2018. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I was that. And so, so we were about my... the same time. So okay. yeah, okay. I was, uh, 2019 is when I, when I started figuring all this stuff out and I, I started RCIA in, in uh, September, 2019. Okay. So Yeah. Yeah, did, oh, and I'm uh, 42, so yeah, about the same. So <laughs> about the same. Well, I, I was just I, I had read uh, Acts 15 with the Council of Jerusalem many, many times, and I had never picked up that one. This is a council of the church, and two, this isn't because I, I don't know about you, but I always had this idea growing up that when the when the church was uh, forming in the in the first century that. 
if there was an issue, the apostles spoke and that was it. And granted that did, that did happen because right. Cause they were inspired by God, mm-hmm. but you also see an example because the churches of Christ also are very big that if it's uh, in order for something to be valid, it has to be either an example in scripture, um, a command or implied, right? Yeah. So when I read Acts chapter 15, I read about a debate among the church for the universal church, not for an autonomous groups of churches. It was for the universal church. It wasn't like the church on fifth Avenue over here declared this, but the one on fourth, their elders haven't really decided yet. This was a universal proclamation after a heated debate that you read in there. And as you, as you go through history, you see these councils again and again, and I see, uh, you know, uh, so on and so forth, but Ephesus and, uh, but you never saw that in the church of Christ. No. And, and, and it was like, okay, well, if we are going to be the church in the Bible, then the churches of Christ must have councils. Cause there's an example of it, explicit example of it in the Bible of this authority structure for the universal church. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of things like that, that once I started learning about the Catholic faith, like, uh, anointing of the sick, like, mm-hmm. can you get more explicit on that sacrament? And, you know, and even <laughs> yeah. confession, like there, even, even if you take uh, James, where it says, you know, call in a or presbytery or call in your elder mm-hmm. and confess your sins, like no elders, the, they don't do confession, right? Yeah. Like, but even if you take that, that same concepts and take the elder word, literally the way the church Christ does, um, there should be confessions. And there's not and like there's all these weird things that once you start understanding uh, the Catholic point of view on scripture, it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. But like you, it's like I've read it so many times and I never picked up on this because I was looking through it from this Church of Christ point of view and not understanding what I was really looking at. Yeah. And something that really opened my eye to scripture as well uh, as I was looking in the Catholic Church, and even today, because I, I love it immensely, is typology. Yes. Because looking looking at it now, all the say the doctrines, the Marian doctrines, and others, with if you if you understand typology, they make one hundred percent, and they are in the Bible because you see the assumption in the Bible. You you know you see the perpetual virginity. You see all these things in the Bible. You also see the. Uh, um, even though it wasn't called that in the first century, but you see the office of, of the Pope, you know, through the prime minister in the old Testament, you see the, the queen mother and Bathsheba, you see all these things when you understand typology and it opened up scripture so much more for me because Jesus, he says, you know, he came to fulfill, not to destroy the old law. Right. And I always kind of struggle with that because I'm like, man, there's a, there's a, there's a stark cut and it's like, okay, well, we need the old Testament because it tells us our history and it helps us understand some of the new Testament, but everything. And then we're, we're not too worried about, it's all about the new Testament. Right. Mm -hmm. But you do that to your detriment. Right. I mean, you, you, you don't see the fullness of salvation history when you do it that way. And typology because of the Catholic church really opened up the scriptures to me way more than I ever had in my life. Yeah. It makes it so much more understandable and, and it makes it personal for, Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, especially when you're talking Mary, right. With the being the new Eve and the, and the new Ark. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, when I, when that stuff sunk in, I was like, wow, 
this is amazing. I cannot believe I've never noticed this before. And, uh, and I just think, uh, you know, it's like the, the love for scripture that church of Christ has, it's just, and that I grew up with, it just deepened once I became Catholic. And, 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 and for me that, that love of scripture is, is really what was my kickoff to say, um, to, to start my journey towards the Catholic church. And I, and I'm curious for you on this. So, um, like the very first video I ever did, and I did one last week with Gary Machuda talking about the Apocrypha and all that stuff, um, was the, so when I learned that the Apocrypha wasn't taken out until the 1800s mm-hmm. as a Catholic child, uh, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic church of Christ. I can't even talk tonight. Sorry. <laughs> you're, as you're a so church Catholic of Christ, <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> As a uh, as as a good old Church of Christ boy, uh, that like made my stomach hurt. Like hearing that, I'm like, wait, the 1800s? Are you kidding me? Like yeah. that 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 doesn't sit right. I thought Martin Luther took it out in the 1500s, and then learning that no, it was just there was uh, these Bible committees that took out uh, the apocrypha, and especially in the United States, like that made me just I I was actually furious about it. Because my love for scripture with with growing up Church of Christ, um, I was like, why, why did this happen? And it led me to to Luther and start start picking Luther apart. But when you was that a, a was that a topic that you had to wrestle with at all with adding these seven books back in, um, or was or was it just kind of like everything else makes sense, so that that makes sense too. So there was other driving forces that pushed me to the Catholic church, but like you, I was very shocked. Um, and it, it may have been in Gary's book, um, why Catholic Bibles are bigger or why the Catholic Bible is bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good book. If, if somebody hasn't read that, even Catholic Protestant, whatever, just check it out. But I, I know that I was very surprised too when, yeah, you even had a Protestant, I think Episcopal priest in the early 1900s saying, why are we taking these books out? We don't yeah. have a full view of scripture. And then you come to find out that, what was it, the American Bible Institute or whatever, decided to go ahead and not include the Deuterocanonical books because it was cheaper and they were able to be more, basically be more profitable by taking them out because they save on ink and paper. Yeah. And that, that really blew me away because I was like, that that's pretty that's pretty bad thing to do (laughs) and and i know so i I know all the apologetics against uh what they would call the apocrypha because that's what that's what i used to call it right they said well they teach things that aren't in the bible well common sense would say you took them out (laughs) if you take it out yeah it's not in the bible you know it's kind (laughs) of like uh martin luther or um what was that early first century heretic um Marsan, is it Marsan? It's like M-A-R-C-I-O-N. But anyway, where he takes, where he's wanting to take out a lot of the, because he was very, I believe, Pauline. So he was wanting to take out a lot of the old Jewish references and all that. So yeah, you take it out. Of course, it's not in the Bible. Right. But I remember the first time I read the book of Tobit, it actually strengthened, this was after my conversion. It actually strengthened my Catholic faith because you see the intercession of the angels, you see alms given, you see care for the dead, you see all these things that the Catholic Church teaches. And it's like, well, yes, if you don't believe in these things, of course you're going to say that Tobit doesn't belong. 
Yeah. And, and you see the continuation of the Jewish faith, right? Like the Catholic faith is the fulfillment of Judaism. Mm -hmm. And though it's not like the Catholic Church made these things up. These were actually Jewish beliefs uh, for the ancient Israelites that are fulfilled through the Catholic Church. And you you get that when you start reading Tobit, when you read Second Maccabees, when they're when they uh, uh, pray for those soldiers that have died because they had idols on them, um, yeah. you know, like you get all that stuff, and you're like, wow, that that this wasn't made up, like this was already in Scripture, and we just didn't know it was there because it was somebody decided to take it out because it was cheaper. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because. With the older generation in the churches of Christ, and the reason I speak about that because I grew up with my grandparents, so I went to an older church, so with a lot of mm -hmm. older people, and there's a lot of them that they weren't King James onlyist or anything like that, but they were. That was usually the favored translation. Yep. And then come to find out, the King James Bible originally had these books in them. You know, yeah. so and it so. even and even in the um, the forward at the front of the King James Bible when it was originally published that the, that the guys that made it, they actually say, this isn't a translation from, uh, from, from Greek and Hebrew, uh, look to the Catholic church. They're the experts in that. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. It gives a <laughs> shout know. out to the Catholic church saying that's not our, we're just making a Bible here in English. Like, yeah. Uh, this that's not what we're doing. You need to look to the Catholic Church because they're better at translating it from older languages. <laughs> and well, I was like, "What?" Well, you you mentioned you mentioned that it reminds me of of this might have been third or fourth on my list um, of importance. But okay, well, how do we know what books of the Bible belong? And mm -hmm. I and I would always ask that, and the answer is, well, God providentially gave us these books. Okay, I agree. I 100% agree with that. How, though, did he do that? And we never really got an answer. And just just for sake of ease, you just kind of take it for granted, assume, okay, well, everything's good, and you move on, right? Yep. Well, as I got older, I just I couldn't do that no more. I couldn't be ahistorical. I couldn't ignore history, right? So I said, well, how did we get these? How did we get these books? And then I came to the conclusion at one point in my life after talking to some people, well, God uses evil for good. So maybe maybe God used the Catholic Church councils to give us the Bible and then and then that's what we're canonized and that's what we've got. But then you start thinking, okay, but what other things am I supposed to be listening to? Let's just say for sake of argument the Catholic Church isn't the church, but we're taking but we're using their authority to say these are the books and even then we're not, we're still rejecting some of them but but we're using we're we're believing their authority for this the books of the bible how do i differentiate what other areas of authority i need to be listening to and it just sounds like confusion and then you remember scripture says god is not the author of confusion yeah and it's like okay well i have to know my salvation depends on this if i if i believe in sola scriptura my salvation depends on that I have got the right books, and how do I know that? And I can't know that without the Catholic Church because God, I came to the conclusion, God providentially, through the Holy Spirit, through the Catholic Church, gave us the books that belong in the Bible. Yeah, 100%. And, and that was my critique with, uh, with Luther, right? I mean, you, you had... And I asked Gary this too when he was on my uh, when when he was on my show. Like, was there any big 
push to take books out of the Bible prior to Luther. And he's like, there's some small ones, but nothing like, you know, that that's really hits the Richter scale. Um, there's people that wanted to add in stuff like, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, that type of stuff. Um, but but it, it's like God gave this wisdom through the Holy Spirit, right, it, it, to the Catholic Church to create this Bible for us yeah. and put it together. And praise be to God for that. And then to just say the the scary thing is when you when you follow to your conclusion, right, with Martin Luther and starting the creating the apocrypha, you don't agree with something that's in the Bible, so you're going to take it out. Yeah. Like where does that? There's stuff in there I wish I didn't have to agree with, right? Like <laughs> there's plenty of verses I go, oh, why? Okay, yeah, I gotta accept, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and where does that leave you, right? Like what what is if we keep going down this rabbit hole and what happens if say in another 50 years, the Protestants have this other big uh, flare up and they start taking other verses out and re well, I mean, some of them already do that, like reword things. And then you're looking at a, at a completely watered down faith. Mm -hmm. And because you're, you have nothing, uh, you're, if your scripture isn't, is so watered down and taken out. It's like, man, like that, that's not Christianity. Like Christianity is not supposed to be easy. Right. It, like it's supposed to be difficult. Like it should Christ challenge came, you. <laughs> Christ came to, to have families fight amongst each other. Like he says that, like, it's not, it's not, which is totally a comforting verse to read. Once I started, <laughs> I go, okay, this is just, uh, this is scriptural. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to to keep in mind is that what's stopping some other new uh, uh, Protestant sect to start pushing for this, and then it goes throughout all of Protestantism, and then they lose another book, or they take out some some verses here or there uh, to fit their narrative, and uh, and I think that that's terrifying to me, but it's a possibility because there's no one that has a central authority over it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And I think, uh, I think there would be many groups and Luther himself. I mean, just take the book of James, you know, they want to get rid of that because it directly goes against faith alone. And and like the saying goes, the only time you see faith alone in the Bible is it's when, when it's next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were not saved by faith alone. Um, right. But yeah, so no, I, I agree with you. It's, it's not a, uh, promising prospect when you really start thinking about it yeah it, it's a little bit terrifying so i when, when we're thinking church of christ um and we've kind of talked about this with how each church is separate and there's uh um there is church shopping amongst church of christ right because you go to one and you're like oh this is where we want to go it's just a local church of christ and then you start going and you go i don't know about this one and then you go to the one across town um did that ever start like, cause, cause that bothered, that started bothering me. And that's kind of actually what led me to start looking outside the church of Christ. And, and oddly enough in Abilene, right. Which is like the, the hub of Texas church of Christ with Abilene Christian university there. Um, it, it was something that really bothered me because I'd go to like one of their big progressive churches and then they have women up doing announcements. And I'm like, yeah. Whoa, what's going on here. And then I'd go to a conservative one 
And my wife who grew up Methodist would be angry about whatever the preacher was preaching. And it's like, <laughs> okay, let's see if we can find a middle ground here. And, um, but that was something that bothered me because there, there again, that, that no authority thing, is that something that later on in life started, did that bother you at all, uh, later on in life or no, I mean, with? no, not really. I mean, that's not something that I ever really related to because I never, I guess we didn't ever technically church shop in a sense. Um, because we always stayed within the what we would call the conservative churches mm -hmm. of Christ. And like here in Houston, you kind of all the churches kind of know each other. People were yep. friends with people at the churches, the preachers and elders. They all, you know, he'll do a gospel meeting here. So they kind of all know each other. The the only way that I ever church shop was um, like we had a church that wasn't too far from us, but we decided to go to another church. It actually still wasn't too far from us. That was just because, um, some of our friends had moved over there and all that. And we were like, well, we'll just stay with our friends, but it's not like we ever fell out with, with the group over here. So no, I never, I never experienced necessarily what, what you're referring okay. to. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I even experienced that was, uh, just moving, so, cause we were, my wife and I got married when we were in Dallas and then I, I moved back to, we moved back to Abilene for me to get my master's. And so then it was, there's 20 plus church of crisis in this town and it's a hundred thousand people, right? Like yeah, there's, you, you would, and that was the thing. I was like, there's plenty to pick from. We're going to find one that works for us. Yeah. And it just never happened. And, and it was frustrating over like a two year period where, we, where it was just like, putting a bandaid on like, oh, we'll go to this one this Sunday. We'll go to this. Like, you know, it just kind of was, I don't know. It, it was a mess. And it made me realize like there's zero, even though everyone's supposed to be about the same, there there's zero unity in this. And like yeah. that, that bugged me a little bit. So. Well, you did, you do actually remind me of, of one of the thoughts that I had in the churches of Christ, because you're right. There, somebody will start a church over something completely petty. Not even doctrinal. It'll be something petty. I mean, it, the the two two people's wives may not get along. Well, all of a sudden they're starting a new church. And I remember I used to ask the questions in in the Bible classes and stuff like that because I was like, when I read Saint Paul, of course I didn't say Saint Paul at the time. But I said when when I read Saint Paul, you almost see in his letters calling people obviously on the on the doctrinal issues that they are lacking in to get those straight but he, but he's also telling them look you have all these differences who cares unite together yeah. and be he doesn't say oh well you you know you don't like you're not getting along with this person we'll just start two separate churches down the road you don't see that in scripture you you see paul call for for mm -hmm. unity among the brethren in churches of christ people were literally split over the dumbest things yeah, I was at a church in sixth grade, I want to say, that we'd gone to for a number of years. Um, and uh, it split over the order of worship. I believe it. <laughs> like, I don't remember what the, I mean, I was, you know, I was six. So it was, or I was like, what, 12, 11. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't really care. I was like, why aren't we going there again? But all of our friends went to this other Church of Christ, and so it was yeah. fine. Like, I didn't care. It was fine. Yeah. But uh, but I remember that happening, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and it was just kind of this weird deal that you see happen, and you it, you would hope it wouldn't. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, I think that's the thing when uh, 
like one of the first comments my mom said when I told her that we were going to become Catholic is she made like a pedophile joke. Yeah. And, uh, and then she kind of pulled back and was like, well, at least you're going to church. I'm like, all right, thanks mom. And, <laughs> uh, but, but it's like all churches are broken because we're made of people. Right. Like I, I had, uh, in high school, the church of Christ I was going to in thousand Oaks, um, our our pre- preacher quit because he came out gay like <laughs> and he had a wife and five boys and like he was in his 40s like it wasn't like it was uh he was a young preacher or anything like that and yeah. and like there was another uh church of christ preacher that we had that was a startup and we were, we we didn't have a building yet and so we were at a school that we were uh they were letting us use their auditorium and uh, by the time we picked that church that eventually split, uh, split, uh, my, my dad found out through the grapevine that he had just rejected, uh, even being a Christian right after that and wouldn't even admit that he ever preached. Hmm. <laughs> and, and so like when you talk about, and where I'm going with this is especially church of Christ and, and Protestants in general want to point holes at the Catholic church and say, hey, there's all these issues in there. And I'm like, show me a group of people that doesn't have issues. Yeah. Like, I, I saw that a ton growing up. And and it's it's a people thing. It's not a God thing. And I don't know. It, it's just kind of one of those things that's, that's always kind of stuck with me uh, going through this process and hearing people slam the Catholic Church, which the stuff that, that's, that's come out the, is awful and should be is horrible but it's not only a catholic issue right. and i think that's that that's that was one of those things that when i when that clicked i was like oh i'm cool like i i can join this church like the catholic church is the right way to go yeah you're right the the catholic church is not unlike other groups you have your bad actors you have your bad lay people you have your bad clergy so on and so forth but i always think about the old testament the kingdom of Israel had a lot of bad actors, had terrible and wicked leaders at some points in their history, but they never ceased to be God's people. Yep. And that that's how I some of the some of the the grave evil that's happened among people within the Catholic Church. That's how I view it. That just because you have bad actors within the church does not all of a sudden mean that the church as a whole is no longer the bride of Christ. And 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 whatnot. We are still God's people within the, within the the Catholic Church. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the Catholic Church being a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Well, yeah, we are the good and the bad in that sense because we we do have humans in the church, and and we are going to fall. We're fallen nature. I mean, if we if if we didn't have this fall in nature, then the world would be perfect, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't even yeah. be talking about this. But, but the reality is, is that man struggles on, has his struggles on his own. And there are also people out there that are just, I don't know, downright evil, I guess, if you want to say. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And that that's just the state of humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and so... You said you you started your conversion. Uh, you you joined. You came in the church in 2018. You said, "Yeah." So I started going to RCIA. So we we moved back 
left uh, Texas from Wyoming in January January of 2018. I started RCIA either February or March of that year. So what was the push to initially make the what? Because for for me as Church of Christ to have the Catholic Church pop up on my radar actually made me sick to my stomach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know about you, but for me, when I realized that I had to do it. I was scared and I wasn't, I was not actually happy about it. Like at first. Um, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are like that. And and I think that's why it's so disingenuous when people say, oh, well, you, you know, you weren't seeking truth or you're being blinded by, by the truth or you've lost the love for God or love for the Lord. And it's like, no, like, it's not like I was willingly going one day, woke up and was like, I'm going to be Catholic. Yeah. Like, like it's a fight. Life would be a lot easier. Yeah. Than the other it way. Was a, it was a fight. Oh yeah. 100% easier. And that was, and that was one of the, I don't mean to get off topic here. Um, oh. During the RCIA, which I, I had a, overall it was a really good RCIA program. I, but, but there was one time where we were sitting in RCIA and there's a couple, one of the teachers and a couple of the other students were basically talking about how universalism everybody's okay you know so on and so forth and it just didn't sit with me well because of your point there it's been easier to stay i said look i said i don't believe in universalism i don't i, I believe where you go to church does matter because i said otherwise why why are any of us here yeah why didn't we just stay at our baptist church at our church of christ at our presbyterian church why are we uprooting our families why are we uprooting our you know uh, our whole lives to come to the Catholic church. If it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and, and being a father too, you're, you're like, for me, it, it's not only my salvation, it's my kid's salvation. Oh, yeah. It's my wife's salvation uh, to make this decision. It's not like a, it was an easy choice uh, to make. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with you. Cause I hear that a lot of times with, um, the church and nice, I think is the, is a great yeah. term. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, well, in Vatican two, it says that you can be saved out. I'm like, you got to read it. Cause it actually says there's, like, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase. There's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not a guarantee. And, uh, it, it, and I think with the Catholic church, with all the sacraments, it just opens that door open for us more. Like we have more opportunity to get there than yeah. without those sacraments. But so when you, what was kind of that first thing that, that made you uh, start questioning it and, and thinking, oh my gosh, the Catholic church might be right here. And did, did you, were you like me where you were trying to find something that proved it wrong when you realized that they were right? Cause I did. <laughs> so I think I kind of went opposite in that that sense. Once I started seeing stuff, I was like, okay, well, I want to find something that proves this right. Because I already, because my viewpoint was, I already have what I believe to be true. I they're proposing something different, right? The the Catholic Church says something different. I need to see them justify that they're right and I'm wrong. So, I mean, I guess you get to the same point that way, mm -hmm. but the the mindset may be a little bit different. But we talked about authority. That was one of the the driving forces. And uh, not not being a historical, not not just ignoring two thousand years of history and poof, the churches of Christ were there in the first century. Then all of a sudden, 
they they, they disappeared for yeah. 1800 and, years or 1700 and, years yeah and, <laughs> and here they are but i tell you the one thing that drove me the most into the catholic church was the bread of life discourse in john six yes and i tell you why I hope my grandma doesn't listen to this because she's, I, I, I love my grandma so much and she's already heartbroken that, I'm, that we're Catholic anyway. And, uh, and I know one of the reasons everybody's so worried, not just for us, but like you mentioned, they're worried about our kids. Now they think we're, we're, we're putting our kids in danger. And that is something that, that I considered as well, obviously one of my prayers literally was during my conversion. If I am wrong, let me be wrong and go to hell but don't let my kids go yeah. to hell, right? Like if I'm wrong, okay, punish me, but don't let me leave my kids, keep them away if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when we were younger growing up and they would do the, uh, the weekly communion, they would always say when they would say the prayer and give, give uh thanks for the, for the bread and the, and uh, well, we shouldn't say wine, the grape juice or the, right. blood, you know, the body and the blood, they would always say, you know, this is an emblem or this is a, a symbol or whatever. My grandma always made the comment that she was uncomfortable with that terminology because she's like, that's not what Jesus says though. And she used to make those comments. So she's like, so in some ways she was like, I don't know how or what, but there's a spiritual aspect to, to this, that, that she just, didn't didn't grasp right yeah. like couldn't put together with with the theology of the churches of christ rightfully so and uh so as i got older and i started after i was baptized 12 13 and i started helping on the on the lord's supper on sundays or communion whatever you want to call it and when it was my turn to pray i would always just say the words that jesus said and mm -hmm. some people would have an issue with that they say well no you can't say this is my body or you know, this is, this is his blood, you know, or whatever. Cause they said, that's, that's not wrong. That's Catholic doctrine. And I remember my responses would be, look, I'm just quoting Jesus. Right. You know, that's all, that's all I'm doing. So I ignored that for many years. And then I don't know what it was or what spurred me to start thinking about it again in a real deep way. But I, but I just, I started looking at it and I said, look, when you when you read it, it's very plainly obvious that Jesus is not speaking symbolically, right? And and I know the apologetics within the church, um, people will say, well, yeah, because every time it, he would speak symbolically and people were confused, he would say, hey, 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 wait a second, you guys don't understand. Let me explain it to you. Right. But he, but he never does that with this, and that was something that I even noticed as church of christ i said he he just says what he says yep and then he then in chapter seven he's got to run for his life it's yeah. at the beginning of chapter seven it <laughs> says he had to flee the the, the area or region uh because they were going to kill him yeah. like he he tripled or quadrupled down i think actually by the end of yeah. the end of the chapter and that was a huge thing for me too because um for before we joined we were we were going to a methodist church uh, is kind of where we had settled, uh, just kind of the band-aid of faith, right? Like we need to, I, I still think I need to go to church, but I can't go to Church of Christ. Like, what am I going to do? Okay, this Methodist church works for both of us. Um, but the um, the reverence that I had growing up for communion 
like, and I hated the, like, I had to wait till I was baptized, right? Like, the yeah. Methodist church doesn't do that. Like, you can, you don't have to be baptized to go up for communion. And uh, that would anger me when, when that would happen. And I'm like, they're not baptized. And then I would, I wouldn't let my kids with my older son. I'm like, don't take it. He's like, but I can I'm like, you're not baptized. Don't take it. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I just knew there was, that was wrong. And when, when I learned that, um, that was shocking. I think my wife's the one that pointed that out to me. Um, she was doing a study on John, on John for, uh, Lent that year. And she's, she pulled me into the kitchen and while she was cooking, she's like, you need to listen to this. And I think it was father Mike Schmitz was doing a talk mm-hmm. on John oh, six. I love John, uh, father Mike Schmitz. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> And he did this, like, it was 45 minutes. And I'm, I'm just standing there in the kitchen while she's cooking, listening to this thing. Like, I've never heard anyone talk about it like this. Like, what in the world? Yeah. I'm like, this is huge. And, and like, I hadn't even fully, at this point, I hadn't even fully uh, decided the Catholic Church was it yet. I was still debating with Luther. Um, but then you start looking in church history. You talk about, like, you know, the first century church. And when I start reading the first century church Christians right after the apostles, they're Catholic. Like you read uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch and because right after the, I think the next week I read him and paraphrase him, but he's like, Hey, if you don't believe it's the real body, it's Jesus's body and blood, you're not Christian. Right. And I'm like, what is this? Like this, this is crazy. <laughs> Right. And uh, yeah, that just blew my mind. No, no, no. Those first uh, early Christians were were definitely eye opening. And the responses I would typically get and still do when I bring them up are, well, they're not inspired. And okay, well, well, maybe not in the sense that the apostles, you know, were they. But they're they're They were still closer to the apostles and to Jesus. And we are. So while there were heretics, obviously in the first century, it's like, cause you, cause you read about some yeah. of them as well. You, you, you're going to be hard pressed to show that just about every writing of every early Christian was wrong. And that none of what we, you would deem the churches of Christ. They didn't do any, any writings, you know? Right. And uh, I mean, you read Justin Martyr, right? He, he explains the mass very closely what the mass is yeah what, what the mass is today he talks about uh, i believe it's him and you might correct me if i'm wrong yeah it is him he, where, where he mentions like when the when they do the eucharist the unbaptized are not allowed to yeah they have to leave they leave so he talks about these n- never once in my life did did i ever hear or see anything like that because of course we we ignored them but yeah. you do that to your to your detriment detriment yeah yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that was one of the things that uh I was hoping to find the Church of Christ in the first century reading that stuff. Yeah. And and I didn't. And it, it was um it, like I always felt like that whole uh we're just like the first century church thing was just fluff, anyways. Mm-hmm. Like it never it, it, I never really bought into it completely, right? Because I was like, how? Like that doesn't make logical sense to me, but okay, whatever. I'll go with it. Yeah. Like everything else is fine. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about how they were the first century or they were? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it never like, yeah. Like church, sorry. The church of Christ 
says they're the first century. Yeah. And, and like even the the Church of Christ uh, that is literally on the corner of Abilene Christian University, they have a sign out front that says the first century church. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and I remember I kind of said that to my wife when we were, when we first moved to Abilene um, and she just looked at me, she's like, no, y'all aren't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, I, I don't, I don't have a good argument for this. Um, but you start looking back and you read through history and you're just like, and if you take the stance that you can't listen to those guys, which I've had arguments every now and then I'll dive into the comment section and I, I try not to, but every now and then somebody says something that just gets my goat and I'm like, mm. yeah. um, but it, it's like, they try to deny those guys and I'm going, how bad do you think the apostles were at their job? <laughs> I right? thought about that. Right? Like St. Ignatius good. learned from John yeah. and he was appointed by P Peter to be the Bishop of Antioch. Yeah. Like these guys must have been awful at their job. If this guy that is literally going to Rome because he, he will not denounce that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ to, to be eaten by lions. Yeah. Right? Like they must have been really bad at their job. If these guys are wrong, you know, <laughs> like, well, here's the messed up thing, too, is sometimes I would hear these guys quoted in sermons, but they only quoted them, of course, when they were in favor of what they were teaching. And again, it goes back, okay, well, if you're saying they're right here and they're proving your point, and you're just ignoring over here because they contradict what you believe, I think I think the person that is lacking is you, not them. Yeah. You know? Um I, w I was going to mention as well that I also found first John, is it five where he talks about, there are some sins that lead to death and there are sins that don't lead to death. And that kind of blew me away. And I had never really thought about it in that aspect until I was in the middle of RCIA. Mm -hmm. I was listening to something on form one day and that verse came up and I was like, what? Again, probably read that many times, never picked up on it. So I called my grandma and I was just talking to her and, and I asked her about that and she didn't know. So she called um my, he's my cousin once removed, if you want to be technical, my dad's cousin, <laughs> and he, yeah. but he's, but he's about my age. We're about the same age and, and very smart guy. You know, I've always respected him and stuff as far as his biblical knowledge, but she called him and asked him. And I was like, okay, well, I want to get an answer to this. I never got an answer. What I got was that's a very confusing and hard verse, and it can people can use it in the wrong way. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. great. That that doesn't answer my question because if you're forced to answer the question, it's almost like you're forced to affirm the idea of mortal and venial sins. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think Christ talks about that. He, he talks about that a lot. Like there's, there's a few other verses and I can't, I wish I did come to mind right now, but there's other verses where he talks about that too. And, and even the whole idea of purgatory, um, is that in Matthew where he talks about, um, you'll be held until your, uh, till your debts are paid. Yeah. But that was one of the parables. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, there, there's all these things that, that are in there that it, it just, completely speaks catholic and as as somebody that especially the church of christ denomination where they 
really hold scripture tightly and study it. And like, I don't know about you. Did you do the, um, what were those, uh, uh, in high school? Did you ever do those not Bible wars? What were they called? Um, where you had to get together with other high schools and you get, uh, and you, it, it was basically like a game to see who knew more Bible verses. No, no, I'd never. What was it called? Oh my gosh. I'm not going to, I can't remember it, but we had, we literally had, uh, I want to say Bible Wars, but that's not what it was. But yeah, we had to do that where it was like all these different youth groups got together and there'd be a scoring system and they'd have a Bible verse come up and they're like, where is this? And you'd have to like, oh, it's in this book. Like it wasn't that detailed, but you know, like, cause I, 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 I did okay in it. I think I got second and I barely studied. So it wasn't that hard, like, yeah. but still. Well, well, I think that may also speak more to your formation as a child, right? Because I didn't realize I knew as much about the Bible as I did, to be honest, when I started interacting more with cradle Catholics. Mm-hmm. Because, because coming out of the group we did, I think our formation really drilled a lot of the Bible verses and whatnot in us. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I'm so appreciative of that. That It's just like uh, even I remember in junior high and high school, we did a Bible study on going through the all of the Old Testament into the New Testament and just like kind of picking through the history of salvation history. And uh, and I'm just I was I'm grateful for that upbringing because it it led it led me to where I'm at today. Right. Uh, And I don't think my love for scripture wouldn't have, if I didn't have as much love for scripture as I do now, or as I did growing up, like I wouldn't be Catholic today. Uh, I yeah. think that's, that solely led me there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know some of our conversation or most of our conversation has been about what we view as the deficiencies in the church of Christ theology. But at the same time, I honestly believe if it wasn't for the upbringing I had and, and, with the importance focused on scripture, I don't know that I would necessarily be Catholic. I don't know that I'd necessarily be anything mm-hmm. um, because yeah, because the, the emphasis and the importance of scripture and how important that is in your life really pushed me to examine some of these verses that I mentioned at a deeper level. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure it was the same within the churches of Christ. They always say, look, we will go where the truth leads us. Yep. You know, that's what we need to do. And I feel like that's what I did. Like, I was like, okay, the truth is pulling me to the Catholic church. I can either fight it or I can do what I've always preached my whole life and not be a hypocrite and go where the truth is leading me. Unless somebody can show me otherwise, I I don't, I don't have a choice. Yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent. And that, that's, that it's funny you say that because that's always been my mantra, right? Like whatever, even if I don't like it, yeah. If it's the truth, I've got to go for it. And um, and I think that is just growing up Church of Christ. Like you're you're looking for the truth in scripture and you're reading it and you're you're trying to study it as best you can. And I think that's why there's so many things that they're they're really close on. Um and they're just they're just slightly off with. So it, it, it's uh I still love my my uh, Church of Christ brothers and sisters. Uh yeah. they're great people. Uh, just gotta make them Catholic somehow. I don't know how that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, and they are they are typically as a whole, they are a very morally righteous group of people. Like they take their morals and they take their faith seriously. 
Um, you know, I, I know they have jokes about other groups about how, you know, they'll, they'll preach against, uh, drinking of alcohol, but they'll do it in secret. I mean, you have those within, within the churches of Christ, no doubt, but as a whole, it's not like that in my experience. It's like they practice what they preach. Yeah. I, I would say that for the most part they do. Yeah. And I, I mean, you're going to have your rebellious teenagers and stuff, but yeah. you're typically not going to have, um, that worldly drama going on in a congregation in with church of Christ, right? You're, there's not going to be, um, I, I, I mean, I've seen that with, uh, with other uh, non-denominational churches where you have affairs back and forth and you have all this, like, you don't see that. Not that you don't see it, but you don't see it as prevalent as I've seen it when I've gone to Bible churches for, for a spell in college or, you know, yeah. Like I was like, wow, that's that's a little crazy. I can't believe they're doing that. Um, they are pretty morally upright people, um, and, and they they do try and practice what they preach. I, I yeah. agree with that hundred percent. If if I may, I was going to share kind of a a, a funny story. Um, well, it's funny to me at least. <laughs> so so back in 2017 when we were in Wyoming, right? <clears throat> I made uh, I, I actually had a an appointment for a vasectomy, right? Cause we were at four kids. We're like, okay, we're done. Or at least my wife was like, okay, I'm, uh, I think I'm we're done. done. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the schedule, I had it scheduled. And, um, the day of the, op the day before the operation, I called the doctor to be quite honest. I was kind of scared. I was like, yeah, doc, this ain't going to work for me. <laughs> I'll call you back later. And, uh, but I had made the joke to my wife. I said, I said, nah, I don't think I'm going to do it. She goes, why not? And I said, well, you know, the Catholic church says that it's a sin. And she goes, but we ain't Catholic. About a year later, we're Catholic. <laughs> and, and she will tell you, she will tell you now that since we become Catholic, we have two boys, two boys. So we had four at the time. Now we have six and we can't imagine our lives without them. Yeah. And when you look at the stockings, <laughs> you'll see all their names, but then you can tell when we became Catholic because now all of a sudden here's two saint names, you know, <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a funny story. And yeah. it's, I think it was God already, already whispering at you like, Hey, you don't know what I got planned for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Well, if, if you don't mind me asking, uh, when, when you decided to convert, how was your wife? Because I know, I was kind of nervous to be honest to go the first time because I drove by the Catholic. I still drive by it every day uh, from home to the office. And she was like, well, I'll go with you just to support, but I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily on board with what you're doing right now. I said, okay, well, she went in there and I got everything set up for our CIA to start attending. And uh, there were some Sundays and Wednesdays where she would go to church and I was still trying to figure out my, what I was going to do with myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And people started asking her like, where's Jason? And she was like, oh. she, she didn't want to lie, but she was like, Oh, you have to talk to him. Yeah. About where he is, which, which was fine. I mean, I, it didn't bother me at all. And uh, so I was sitting here as I'm through the RCIA process, I'm sitting here wondering how is this going to work? Like if I'm Catholic and she's not, excuse me. And she's not, what's going to happen with our church, our children. Is it going to uh, mess up our, our family, you know, well, come June or July that year, that same year, she starts RCIA 
because she was reading all the same, well, not all, but she was reading a lot of the same stuff I was reading. And if she wasn't, I would always go, Hey, check this out, check this out. And she was kind of like me. Well, I don't, I don't know how to counter that argument, you know? And so thankfully by the grace of God, we came into the church together in uh, November of 2018 on feast of Christ, the King. Awesome. And, um, but yeah, so, so we actually had a, a, a pretty good ex experience through that. Uh, how was, I was just wondering how your wife took it that you were. So my, my wife grown up Methodist. So she's a, she's a PK kid. So her dad was a Methodist preacher. Her grandfather was a Methodist preacher. Her both grandfathers were actually, no, one of her grandfathers was a Nazarene preacher. So, um, but she always had like a positive uh, view on, on Catholicism. It wasn't something that she grew up uh, um, not liking. Yeah. And I think for her, because when we decided to stop going to the Methodist church with the whole gay marriage debacle that, that's happening with them right now and why they're splitting, um, I... I think in her mind, she was already thinking the Catholic church was probably where we needed to go, but she was letting me do my research on it. And, uh, and cause I, you know how your, how your wife just slightly influences you all the time. Cause she'd have the Ascension presents videos playing while she was cooking or something like that. Yeah. And I'd walk in and I'm like, is that a Catholic priest? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, I totally agree with everything he just said, like, you know, <laughs> and um, so I think she she was pretty on board with it. Um, and, and so because we started RCA at the same time, I think she was actually kind of shocked when I came in my office when I finally uh, was sure about the papacy. And I said, we we need to be Catholic. And, uh, and she said she was she was actually shocked because she's like, I didn't ever think that this would ever happen. Um, and so I think she was on board with it. I think later on though, there was some difficulty because she, she had been married like, I don't know, in 20 years before at this point, I think by the time we're, we're joining the Catholic church. And so she had to go through the annulment process and that was really difficult for her. Um, and I, and we were actually talking about it the other day cause I did a video on that. And somebody had commented, like, I don't know if I'm going to do it because the paperwork's so bad. And um, and and to her, I, I think if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't have continued because that was such a painful experience to go through with the annulment yeah. process. Um, and and I, I asked her that this, uh, this week, actually, and she said, yeah, I probably would have stopped and not gone through with it if it hadn't been for you and the boys wanting to go. Um, so, but, I, but as far as it was great that we were kind of discovering this stuff at the same time, because that John six with the bread of life discourse was what really made her go. I think at that point she'd already made her choice and that was in March or something. Like, yeah. And it took me till July of literally every free moment I had not working. I was doing research on this stuff, trying yeah. to figure it all out. Um, so I, I was pretty blessed in that, in that sense that we were able to, join RC at the same time and kind of go through everything and throw things back and forth at each other and figure it out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, 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 yeah, I just remember like you, I was so consumed with it. Like I'm glad formed was free. Mm -hmm. I'd be broke. I'd be broke if it wasn't. I, I consumed so much of that driving 
um, and just ordering book after book, um, trying to figure the whole thing out. But yeah, it, it was, like I said, I'm thankful that everything worked out the way it did with my wife, because I was kind of dreading some of the stories you hear about spouses when they convert. But I tell you one thing that really, me too, but especially my wife that really convinced her was the whole, the, the way the, the Catholic churches church teaches about the sacrament of marriage and the theology of the body Yes. Mane Vitae and stuff like that were very, and, and they were very eye opening to me as well. But I think to her, they were like, she was like, this is, this is absolutely amazing. And see, that's another thing. The churches of Christ take marriage very seriously as well. So it's not like, it's not like they're one of the ones that say, oh, well, you can divorce and remarry. They are very much against divorce, divorce. and remarriage. So that, so they hold marriage in a high esteem. But when she started reading, Theology of the Body, Humane Vitae, Cassie Canubi started reading just just the catechism on it. They have an even higher level of of appreciation and and teachings on on marriage. Yeah, and and some of those even I'm not saying we necessarily had a bad marriage or anything, but it seems like when we started following the church's teachings on marriage and stuff like that, our marriage became even better. So I think that was also convincing to her because she saw the fruits of that. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I think, uh, it's, it, it's funny. Cause we, we all, cause we both, even though like her situation was, was one of those, uh, like I, I've joked with her that they could literally make a, um, um, what's that's not Hallmark. I don't know, like drama movie about her first marriage because it was only nine months and it was this crazy thing where this guy's like going to church with her every Sunday that as soon as they get married, he's like, I don't actually believe in God. I don't want to have kids. Like, I, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And it went south on the honeymoon, right? It was it was like this guy was crazy Um, because she doesn't really, she didn't believe in divorce either, but it was kind of one of those life or death things where the like even a therapist after they had a meeting called her and was like, you need to leave him because he's going to kill you. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, I'm leaving. And, but for us, it, it was great learning all that stuff about the Catholic church because it, it's, it fit in more with how we saw marriage. And we'd always talked about it as I didn't, cause we've had really hard years. Right. And I think one of the yeah. best advice I think for anyone getting married is uh, there's going to be years where you hate your spouse and there's going to be years where you like your spouse and there's going to be years where you guys are just in love, yeah. but you always respect and love each other. Right. Like it, there's always that there because marriage is not easy, no. um, <laughs> but it was a commitment that we made with each other to God. Right. And, and that just so in lines with, with Catholic teachings and just even the roles between the the spouse and the husband um, with the Catholic teaching is just so beautifully biblical. Um, it, it, it's, I think it, it has enhanced our marriage. Um, yeah. and, and it made, even on contraceptives, like we've never be believed in using contraceptives. Um, and um, I just think it's, it's, it, it is this beautiful uh, fulfillment uh, of, it, it does make your marriage better. Uh, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say that a hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does. And it, it's not, it's not a foolproof plan, obviously. Cause like you said, I mean, your marriage is ups and downs. Um, 
but it makes those up it makes those downs a lot easier yeah it it, it does 100 percent. it does yeah so awesome i think we've been talking for over an hour now so (laughs) i can keep talking about this but yeah uh I would love to have you on again and we can shoot, we can uh, shoot through, through more church of Christ stuff. And I think uh, it's great to meet another convert that's church of Christ. Cause uh, it's, it's rare to meet one. <laughs> so um, real quick, you say that. So one of my really good friends that I've come to know since I became Catholic. So I, when I was through RCIA, I sent the RCIA director, I sent them an email one day and I said, Hey, do you have anybody that's converted out of the same background I have because I was nervous and and it, I was looking for a reason to convert basically I needed to talk to somebody that experienced what I experienced growing up she goes I got somebody for you now he wasn't in churches of Christ but he was part of the Christian church which came out of the same movement a lot yep. of the same same general core beliefs right and he was actually a preacher for a missionary for the Christian church so he tried he grew up going through Africa went to missionaries in Africa as an adult as well and uh, so I got in touch with him and yeah, you're right. It's very nice meeting other, other converts um, because I think it kind of reaffirms the right decision. You're like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And, and you mentioned the coming home network. Like I watched that panel uh, that you were talking about with Marcus Grodi yeah. and, and all of those, the, everyone they had on those panels, I think I'd watched their individual conversion stories. And if any of them had written a book, I was like, I need to buy this book. Yeah. Like I think one of them, uh, Christ in his fullness, uh, yeah, the Bruce guy that, Sullivan, Bruce Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, like his book was great for me to read because it was just like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was definitely, uh, it's definitely helpful. Um, but yeah, th- I've really enjoyed this conversation. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Same here. Like, uh, like I said, I appreciate you having me on. We'll have to, uh, maybe we can pick up further deeper discussions if we want and bring you on my channel as well i'd love to so yeah uh just let me know when you're when you want to and and i'm on so all this right. is great all right yeah <laughs> awesome thanks you have a good one all right all right you too